you gonna do good tonight, church? So good. You guys can be seated. You guys can take your seats. I'm, I'm really sorry in advance. My voice doesn't normally sound this croaky. Um, I was a little bit sick last week. Um, so I apologize if I have any blowouts. I've got my water here to help protect me. Um, I even did everything right. I, I had a spinach leaf and I drank some water and I still didn't feel better. Um, so it's, it's not true. It doesn't work, guys, just so you know if you do get sick. Um, I was having my Vita gummies every day, so um, I'm only joking. Actually, I do have them, but they're not the kid ones. There's adult ones. Um, but hey, it is so good to be in church tonight. Hey, and um, man, I read a quote the other day that really stood out to me. Um, and it said that, that Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world. And I honestly think that's so true, that we, we've had our sin paid for. We know where we're going when we die. We have a relationship, an intimate, real relationship we have access to with the King of Kings. And I think we should be the happiest people on the planet. So if you see someone frowning, why don't you just tell them, cheer up a little bit, smile a little bit. You're in church. I'm only joking. So good. Um, but hey, we're obviously kicking into a new theme, a brand new theme, Elephant in the Room, as uh, Pastor Chris said. And I'm super excited. I love this theme. We've done it last year. It's kind of another... Um, time of the year, we wanted to do it again and really touch on some more controversial topics. Um, and I know that God has some stuff He wants to reveal to you. I know that God has some things He wants to show you. Um, and I know He wants you to walk out differently to the way that you walked in tonight. And so can we actually, before we get into uh, the Scripture and the Word, I'd love if we could actually all bow our heads and just pray in this moment. Father God, we thank You so much that You wanna meet people tonight where they're at. God, no matter what uh, burdens or weights or sins people have carried into this place, God, You love them. And we pray as we open up Your Word that You would speak, Father, that you would breathe upon it, God. Do what only you can do tonight. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So good. Um, I wanna read a scripture to kick it off before I reveal the elephant that I wanna address. And it's Hebrews 12, uh, verse one and two. In this verse, I kinda wanna um, launch off this scripture and, and kind of frame the message um, of what's written in this passage in Hebrews. And so it should be on the screen in Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, some translations say, cast off every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, some translations say, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So good. I, um, I, I wanna talk to a topic tonight that I believe this scripture really helps us hone in on as a church. And I believe it's a very important topic, especially as young adults. Um, and the topic I wanna touch on is how to break old patterns. How to actually break old patterns, not the way that culture would disciple us to do it, uh, but the way that scripture actually tells us to do it. I wanna talk about how to break old patterns, whether it be patterns of sin, whether it be patterns that are mindsets, whether it be weights that are weighing us down or patterns of thinking. I wanna talk about how do you actually biblically break patterns and actually create new patterns that honor God. I believe it's so crucial and it's so important in our generation to know how to actually biblically apply freedom to our life and what Christ has done. So many of us can know what Jesus did for us, but yet there can be a disconnect between what we know the Word of God says about us and us actually walking that out and, and living it. It can be a disconnect very often, and I believe this scripture has a lot of uh, valuable stuff we can unpack together tonight, which would be cool. Um, I remember one time I was chatting to an older lady in the faith, and, and she was, uh, had walked with the Lord for a long time, and um, she told me a story about how she used to go out and feed uh, homeless people. She was like a prayer warrior. She used to go out and feed homeless people. If you don't know, Trent and Shiny Wilcox actually run like a homeless feeding thing. You should do it, it's really cool. Um, you should actually hit them up about it. Um, but they, they actually would go out and feed homeless people as part of their ministry. 
And she told me, um, she, one time she, she saw this, uh, old, this man, kind of an older gentleman sitting on the ground who they were giving food to. Um, she said, hey, um, would you like some food? And, and this older gentleman, he said, he, he looked at him and he said, I, you know, I used, to, I used to wanna be like you. He said, I used to wanna be exactly like you guys and do exactly what you're doing. I wanted to be in ministry, he said. And, and, and she asked him, like, what, what caused you to, to be on the street? What, what changed so that you're not doing that anymore? And he said, I would have done it if it wasn't for the bottle. He said, I couldn't, I couldn't put down the bottle. And he kept saying to them, it was the bottle, it was the bottle, it was the bottle. He said, I would have done so many great things for God, but I couldn't put down the bottle. And when I heard that story, it broke my heart, not just for that man who was experiencing physical poverty, but because we have so many people, even Christians, who are actually walking around with patterns, old patterns of thinking, old patterns of sin in our life that are not gonna lead you to physical poverty, they're actually gonna lead you to, to spiritual poverty, something so much worse. And so I wanna unpack that tonight. We gotta know there's an enemy who has a desire to devour us. There's an enemy, a devil, the Bible says, an accuser who actually has an agenda to side rail God's plan for your life. We, we know that God has an incredible plan for our life, that's absolutely true, but the enemy also has dark plans for your life to try to distract you, discourage you, and dissuade you from the purpose of God for your life. And so we need to know how to combat these things. Temptations, distractions, weights, things that mislead us. And um, the, the question do I, I have today is how do you actually break old patterns biblically? And not just in a way that's a short-term fix, but long-term, how do you walk in freedom? And so I wanna look at that tonight. The, the Romans 12, two says, um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not conformed to the pattern of this world. And so whether you realize it or not, every single one of us, uh, you're always becoming someone. And so every day when you wake up, the decisions you make, the people you spend time with, the, the micro patterns, if it, as it were, in your life, all add up and actually develop a huge part of your character. And so it's not a question of, of do you have patterns in your life? <laughs> the question is, are the patterns that you have in your life drawing you into the image of Christ or are they drawing you away from the things of God? That's the question. It, it's not, are you being formed? It's who are you being formed into? You don't get to check out one day and say, I'm just gonna you know, not progress or, or decline in my faith. You're always being formed, transformed or conformed into the image. We live in a world that um, is so, so hung up on this ideal of freedom. We live in a world that's so caught up on this. We, we, we shout freedom from the rooftops, freedom to make my own decisions and, and freedom to um, do what I wanna do and to feel what I wanna feel. And if you look at the stats in our world today, we don't have a world that's very free. We, we say things like, like, we want freedom and we want the decision to do what we wanna do and, and love who I wanna love and live how I wanna live. And whilst our world professes freedom, our world is in its pursuit for freedom has ended up being slaves. And so I wanna read some statistics about, about our world today, some of the most common patterns that our generation is caught up in. Uh, first one is suicide rates, that suicide is the main cause, the number one cause for death in Australians 15 to 44 years old. Uh, anxiety is the most common mental illness in the USA. Um, divorce rates are currently around 50% in America, around 50%. So it's like flip a coin, and that's basically your odds at, at getting a divorce statistically. Um, couples living, I found this very interesting, couples living together and um, having sex before marriage, the chance of them having a divorce, it doesn't um, only increase a little bit, it actually doubles. And so, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it is that if you don't honor the covenant before you're in it, you won't honor the covenant when you're in it and you're actually choosing to be committed to someone. And can I just tell you tonight, uh, when it comes to sex and sexuality, God is not holding out on you. 
God is not holding out and wanting to kill your joy and your fun with those things. God actually, I know nothing about cars, Pastor Caleb. I know literally nothing. I have a 96 Corolla. I really should know more because it breaks down sometimes. I know nothing about cars, but if, if my mechanic, he could probably sell me anything, my mechanic. I'll just be like, okay, just sure. He could tell me it's torn its rotator cuff and I'll probably pay for it. But, <laughs> excuse me. But, but if, if the guy who created the, the 96 Corolla, if he came up to me and he said, um, hey, you need to actually do this differently, um, I would, in a heartbeat, I would do what he said because he literally created the car or the team that created the car. And, and I think it's funny. We, we know that uh, when it comes to cars and physical things, but how crazy is it? God who invented and created sex and sexuality, we could sometimes think that we have a better plan or a better idea than he does. When he's the one who designed it, he's the one who's created it. And so we need to bring our worldview and a submission to what God's view is. He sees the world in a whole different way than we do. Um, some more stats for you. And this one is, is a bit relevant right now, but 40 to 50 million babies are aborted per year worldwide, according to the World Health Organization. 125,000 a day. That's basically one baby every two seconds globally that's being aborted. Every two seconds. Um, and that's a bit of a hot topic right now. But the other stat that I wanted to read you, and this one really breaks my heart. It, it says, in 2016 alone, Pornhub, the website, received 23 billion visits. 23 billion visits, not million, 23 billion visits to that website in 2016 alone. We have a world that says they want freedom, but is living in its pursuit for freedom, is living in chains. But why is it that even as a, you can receive Jesus, you can be a Christian, go to church. Why is it that you can, you can go to church every week and believe in Jesus, but still struggle with old patterns or still struggle with old mindsets? or still struggle with, with beliefs that you, you're struggling and wrestling through, or addictions even, in your life, and you can fall in the same area. And, and, and by the way, tonight, I'm not just talking about um, sinful patterns. I'm speaking about uh, mental health in the areas of the, the weights the enemy could try to put on us. I'm talking about things that, that mindsets we can't shift. I'm talking, about, um, <coughs> I'm talking about the things in our life that are old patterns that we need to break off and actually pursue the new that God has available for us. And so I'm not, I'm not even just talking about that. I'm talking about people-pleasing can be an old pattern, right? Wanting to please everyone around you can be a pattern. Gossip can be a pattern. Comparison can be a pattern. So please don't write off this message and pretend I'm not talking to you just because you don't have an addiction in your life because there are, there are old patterns that we all need to let go of. Um, how to break patterns biblically by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this. I wanna kind of get into the practical, more practical side of this first and, uh, that I believe we see in the Scripture. And then I wanna um, dive into the spiritual truth that has to uphold all the practices that we do as Christians. Because um, there's a spiritual truth side of this and there's also a really practical, some tips I wanna give you in this area of Hebrews, what it says. If we can actually chuck it up on the screen again in Hebrews 12. Sorry, techies, I threw you a hardball. It says, let us lay aside every weight or cast off every weight and every sin which easily entangles and ensnares us. And so that, that, that is a, a practical thing. There's actually practical things you can do to cast off or to lay aside those things that are old patterns in your life. There's practical things you can do. And, and probably one of, the, one of the things that I would say, firstly, is if you are struggling um, with alcoholism, but every day on the way to work you walk past a BWS, um, or, you, or you always have alcohol in your fridge, I would probably say that there might be some things you need to do really practically to limit the opportunity, the occasion for stumbling. Romans says, uh, make no provision for the flesh. So give no occasion to stumbling. So there might be some practical things you could do. You could say, well, Jesus hasn't set me free of this. I would challenge you, is that, has he actually done the practical things that you can do to limit and actually be obedient to what the Word of God tells us? 
This applies in so many ways. This is massive, even though we don't realize it. Sometimes we think, for example, anxiety, having anxious thoughts and being anxious is a real thing and it's a real journey that people walk through. But I wonder sometimes if the pattern of anxious thoughts and the pattern of anxious thinking that we have, we might say, I'm diagnosed with anxiety or I have it, actually wonder what micro patterns may have led to that broader pattern. Because I guarantee there are some times when, when big patterns like that that we put labels on could actually be broken down into a series of smaller patterns where we started to compromise in thinking sometimes or maybe we started to even just have disciplines that weren't right for us. I'm not saying it's always the case, but there might be some really practical uh, micro patterns that if you shifted would probably cause less occasion for you to stumble in that area. For example, if you start your day on social media and, and, and you don't, don't open your word and you don't spend time in prayer, I would say there are probably some really practical things you could do in filling up on the word of God and the presence of God to actually know um, the truth about you and to cast your cares on God. And so there's, there's often a series of micro patterns underneath a, a larger pattern that we would be quick to label or say is a big problem. If you're feeling depressed, again, that, that's a real journey that people go on. And I'm so sorry if you, if you feel depressed in this place. But there might be some practical things you can do there as well. There might be some people that um, you actually are spending time with that they're not beneficial to your mental health. They're actually pulling you down. They're actually calling you, bad, calling you out on things, calling you bad things. There might be some really practical things like, like getting a life group or like getting some people in your world who are gonna call out the best in you or getting, joining, getting some accountability around your world. You could actually really encourage you, uplift you, pray for you, edify you. There's, there's often really practical things um, that we can also do to lay aside and to cast these things off. Relationship purity is another one. Relationship purity, I'm, I'm going there. Being pure in a relationship and sexually faithful um, in terms of abstaining when you're dating, um, if I could just be real specific, if, if you're always spending time alone together late at night and you're always um, in, in a room together and you, you hang out for extended periods of time, there could be some things there really practically you could do to put boundaries in place so that you might not be tempted to stumble. It's fleeing sexual immorality at every, every chance and every turn. There might be some real practical things you can do, like getting accountability around your world. If it's pornography, which is, as we just read, is an epidemic right now, 23 billion visits to that website in 2016 alone. If you're struggling in this place, there might be some really practical things, for example, like um, telling someone and saying, I actually need you to pray for me and uphold me in this area. Or I need you to keep me accountable in this area of my life right now. Or, or saying, hey, um, actually my, there's actually, my phone is actually causing me to stumble. And so there might be some really practical like apps or softwares or things that you might actually need to do to, to limit the chances for stumbling. And again, this is more of the practical side of things. I'm not saying this is the only way um, to do it. I just wanna offer you some thoughts around how to actually cast off these things that can weigh us down and can hinder us. Now, the second part of this verse that I love um, is that it says, throw off, cast off, those things. Now what that tells me is regardless of what your dysfunction or your pattern is, if you can throw it off, it means it's not a part of your identity. If you can throw it off, it's me. it means if you're in Christ, it's actually not who you are. The, the Bible wouldn't say cast it off, throw it away, if it was, if it was literally attached to you as who you are. But when you're in Christ, sin, the flesh is cut off from your life and you can walk it in freedom. And I think it's, we gotta be so careful in our day and age, we start to be quick to attach um, our identity to our specific dysfunction or our specific patterns. And I think we're so quick to do this nowadays. We, we, just, we attach our identity and our value to what we struggle with, don't we? And, and it's, like, it's like we say things like, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not belittling you if you're struggling in this way, but we say things like, I, I am depressed. I'm always gonna be depressed. This is just who I am. I, I'm an anxious person. I'm just, it's my anxiety. 
to the point where we can get possessive over our old patterns and our dysfunction. We get, people can get, you can say, man, I believe you can get free from this. I believe it might be a journey, but people get offended at that because they think that you're calling out who they are, but not realizing if you can throw it off, it's not your identity. It's, the Bible says you have a truer identity in Christ. And, and we say things like, this is who I am and it's all I'll ever struggle with. Can I tell you what we really should say is, you should say this, I am a child of God who's loved by Him, who has been paid for by His blood, who is currently in this season struggling and journeying through this. But I have faith that God is able to do far above what I expect, what I think, or what I imagine. Do you see that the shift between being possessive about your dysfunction or being possessive about the God who possesses you? <laughs> this is so crucial. It's so practical as well. It's so crucial. There's the Bible, prayer, all these things we can do practically, which are so important. I need to drink some water. It's sparkling. How is that? A bit fancy. <clears throat> Sinful patterns when you're in Christ are not your truest identity. It can be part of your journey, but they're not who you are. We get attached to it so many times. My Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that is in me. In other words, you might have a lot of stuff on you, but it's not, it's not in you when you're in Christ, that, that God has actually has, has cut off the things of the flesh. You can walk in freedom. It's not to say you'll, you'll never make a mistake or sin again, but it's to say that your truest identity at the core of who you are is not your dysfunction. It's who you are loved by. Jesus says, it is finished. I really wanna, before I move into the more spiritual uh, truth that we need to apprehend in this, I've been really practical um, so far, but I wanna highlight another scripture I think is really important. In 2 Corinthians 7 uh, verse 10, <coughs> We'll read it, it's on the screen. It says this, for godly sorrow produces repentance. Repentance um, being changing your mind or, or turning a different direction, which is what you want when you wanna break a pattern. It says, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But catch this, the sorrow of the world produces death. The sorrow of the world produces death, which is the very same thing that, that the wages of sin is, right? The wages of sin is death. And so there's two sorrows, and for the longest time, I would just brush over the scripture and kind of ignore it, if I'm honest with you. But upon you know, preparing for this message, I've done some, a little bit of research into what a lot of scholars believe this verse really is talking about. Basically, there's, there's two kinds of um, sorrow, it says. There's godly sorrow and there's worldly sorrow. And so uh, let me explain to you what um, worldly sorrow would look like. Um, uh, Chetty, if Chetty robbed a bank, let's say, I'm not saying, I'm not prophesying this. I don't know, I just, the first person I saw, Chetty. But if, if you robbed a bank or something like that, and then you got, maybe you do it every week and, and you're getting away with it, you've been hustling, you're in your GTA, you're on five stars. And then, <laughs> only some people got that. All the, all the sinners got that. And then you, um, <laughs> and then, you, and then you, you get arrested one day, and I'm not prophesying this, you get arrested one day and you're in prison. If Chetty was to sit down, if Chetty was to sit down in prison and say, man, I, I feel so sad that I'm in prison right now. I feel so sad because I'm not gonna be able to get any more money. I feel so sad because I'm not gonna be able to, to, to continue to live this life I'm living. My, my quality of life's gonna go down. It, that's, that's worldly sorrow, right? Because what he's doing is he's not sorry for the people. He's sorry that he got caught. He's sorry that the quality of his life is going down over, over um, doing what he wants to do. And so it's, it's actually a worldly kind of sorrow that is self-focused. It's self-focused. Now, I'm sorry, Teddy, for picking on you. But if the other side of it, if, if someone was robbing banks and they got arrested, and they got convicted of the Holy Spirit to go like, man, I've actually, I'm, I'm really sorrowful right now because, man, I, I hurt those people. Man, I, 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 I stole some people's money. Like, and, and above that, I dishonored my God who I'm meant to be representing. 
Do you see the difference? There's a, a worldly sorrow that's focused on the consequence and that's focused on self. And there's a godly sorrow that's focused on actually glorifying God. It's saying, I dishonored my father. I dishonored God. And so there's a difference. And, and the reason I, that's important is because if you wanna break an old pattern, but you have a, a sinful motive, a motive that's focused on self, it'll actually be very difficult to break that pattern. The reason for that is that you just have two selfish motives going head to head with each other. You have a, a motive to stop sinning or stop um, struggling in a certain area so that you can um, have a better quality of life or that you won't have consequences. And then you'll then have another desire that's saying, um, if, if, I, if I keep doing this, then it's gonna be fine. I wanna keep robbing banks and get money. So there's two selfish desires. What, what has to happen is there has to be a godly sorrow that the Holy Spirit produces on the inside of us. A godly sorrow that's not self-focused, but it's focused on saying, I just wanna glorify God. I wanna worship Him. And so I wanna, uh, even uh, for uh, your own time in, in reading, um, when Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, she, she went over to him and she was like all dressed up. She's a bit of a baddie. And she said, um, she said hey, hey, like, you should, you should my, my husband's not around. We should sleep together. Joseph, if you read what he says, he doesn't say, I don't wanna get caught. He says, how could I do that against my God? That's godly sorrow for sin. That, that's, that's, that's the godly sorrow that produces repentance leading to life, not uh, worldly sorrow that actually leads to death. And so that's what that verse is predominantly speaking about. Now, I've kind of been on the, the practical side of things, but I really wanna get uh, to the spiritual truths that we have to actually get on the inside of us, the spiritual truths that we have to believe. The reality is that if we, you could do all the practical things right and all the little behavior changes and little tweaks, but if you don't have a revelation, an ever-increasing revelation of what Jesus did on the cross for you, you'll actually never find lasting freedom from any old pattern or from any old mindset because it all comes back to the cross. If the only time we think about the resurrection and the crucifixion is at Easter time, we're probably missing something about the value and the, the, the enormity of what Jesus did on the cross. It's not just an Easter reflection. It's actually a place that we're supposed to live from every single day. And as you drive that into your heart, as you begin to live from the cross, I think of it this way. I think Pastor Ruben, I might be stealing this from you, but he always says like, I might be paraphrasing it, but he says that um, the starting point as a Christian is, is like a finish line. That your starting point of your faith, of your day, is, is based off, is the launch pad is off what Christ has already done for you. And so it's, 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 it's that he's the author and the finisher, the Bible says. He's our starting point. We have to understand that there is no deficiency in the gospel. Man, that is good news tonight. He is a chain-breaking God, can I tell you. Man, he can fill you in a way that, that, that those toxic relationships can't. He can fill you in a way that substance can't. That mindset that you keep going back to, he, he can fill your life and he is <coughs> superior to, <coughs> pardon me, all those things. I need some more water, I'm sorry. That's kind of gross. <laughs> the deficiency is not in the gospel, but we can have a deficiency in our belief in the gospel or in our apprehension of the truth of what it actually says. And, and the reason for that is you, you could say that, yeah, I know God loves me and I know that he died for me, but, but it's, it's a very diff big different thing to, to, to say that versus actually allowing that to, to be the meditation of your heart constantly and allowing his love for you to be the, the predominant, the place you live from, your address, the place you launch out into your day from. It doesn't change a part of your life. It's not just a heaven ticket, but it, it changes the way you treat people. It changes the way you look at others. It changes the way you work on your job when you, when you have an increasing understanding of what Christ did, the spiritual truth behind it. There's no deficiency in the gospel. And we live in a culture that, that um, I believe we get discipled by culture sometimes in this area, uh, where it's like, do more, do more, do more. If you wanna break old patterns, you need to just keep grinding, you need to wake up early, you need to pray for four hours a day, you need to read, you need to memorize the whole Bible in a week, you need to do all these things, or, 
we get like a list of things. Like if I just do these things, then I'll never struggle with this mindset again. Or I'll never struggle with this temptation again. And, and we kind of make a list of like, if I just do these things. But there's a verse that, that's, uh, I forget where it is to be honest, <laughs> but it says, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. Now, it doesn't say that the goodness of you and the goodness of me leads people to repentance. It, it, the reality is our goodness, no matter how good we do or how many Christian boxes we tick, it won't lead to repentance in your life. Beholding the goodness of God and allowing that to transform your heart is actually what does it. That's why prayer, that's why the Bible, that's why church, life group, those things are so important. It's not because they're the end goal. They're just some means and some ways we can behold Jesus Christ, the one who's more beautiful, more powerful than any other temptation, pattern, relationship, mindset, and anything. And so the gospel has to be a meditation. Christ has to be a meditation in our heart. To fix our eyes, I love that translation, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus and on the cross. So it begs the question, if, if there isn't freedom in your life in a certain area, it could be that, there's, that you maybe are missing some of the weight and some of the value of what he did for you and actually struggling to believe it. It begs the question, there could be actually a, a facet of God you're not seeing yet if you keep going to other places to try to get fulfillment. There might be a facet, and I believe, man, if you fix, I believe that the gospel's not outdated. I really believe that if you fix your eyes on Jesus for long enough, if every day you fix your eyes on Jesus and you make your life about worshiping Him, not just about, can I just say, the enemy would love for you to make your life about just, be, just doing this and not doing that, like a task list. But God makes your life about, and Jesus wants it to be a relationship. Not just a task list of things to do or things to not do. That doesn't change anything, but it's a relationship. It's, it's a heart change that we need that comes from beholding the goodness of God, the goodness of Christ. It's fixing your eyes <coughs> on Jesus. And so there's a battle, but the battle is not just to change behaviors. When you wanna break an old pattern and establish new ones, the battle is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Not to have Jesus in your periphery, <laughs> not to have Jesus kind of on the side when you need something, but to fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who actually sets us free of sin, the one who actually sets us free of the mindsets that we struggle with, the one who forgives us. I, I heard um, someone say it this way, it's not about trying harder, it's about sinking deeper. And uh, one man, he, his name is Thomas Chalmers, and he, he wrote quite a lot on the subject of um, kind of breaking patterns and how to change um, he, he's a, from the 1700s, I believe. He's a Scottish minister. And he wrote this quote that just blew me away when I read it. Um, he says, it'll be on the screen as well. I thought it was worth the screen. <laughs> Any minute now. Thank you, Lord. Thomas Charles. Oh, it's behind me. Oh my goodness, that's embarrassing. How good is that? <laughs> thank you, Chloe, I think you said that. I was gonna be there for like five minutes. Like, oh, come on, guys, get with it. <laughs> Sorry, techies. It's a, he, he's, uh, stay with me. He says, the best way to overcome the world is not with morality or self-discipline. He says Christians overcome the world by seeing, in other words, fixing their eyes on the beauty and the excellence of Christ. They overcome the world by seeing something more attractive than the world, Christ. And that's what Christian maturing, what it means is the author and the finisher, it's a constant, there's a battle, but the arena that you battle in isn't to just to change your behaviors or to just do a bunch of practical things. I gave you those things because they're important as well. But the, the primary battle is actually a battle for your heart's affection. It's a battle for your heart's devotion. He basically also writes in some other quotes, he says that at the end of the day, he says basically your heart always will desire something. He says you actually can't change that. Our hearts are always desire something. We're, we're attracted to different things or um, temptations or mindsets or patterns that we have like a proclivity to. He says your, your heart always desires those things. 
you can't change that. He says what you can do is you can change what its affection is. What you can do is you can change the object of your heart's affection. You can't change its desire to worship. We're, we're wired up as human beings to, to worship and to give our hearts to something. The question is, is who or what will you give your heart to chiefly? Who or what will you mostly, predominantly give your heart to? You overcome the world by seeing something more attractive than the world. That weights, sins, when we know Christ's love for us in a deeper way, in an ever-growing way, man, it eclipses all of those things. It has an eclipsing effect. God's love just has this effect where all the other things just kind of seem that they lose value, they lose importance when we fully see Him as He is. When we behold the goodness of God, man, that's the battle, isn't it? To behold the goodness of God every day, to fix your eyes on Jesus, not to just change your, your to think harder or work harder or try harder. I wanna preach to someone that's, maybe you feel like you failed a thousand times to break that addiction. Or maybe you feel like you've tried so hard to lift off that mindset or that weight or, or that particular thing you keep going back to. Or even that comparison that you keep entertaining. That you're not good enough or that you don't have value. All these are just old patterns that we have, but they're all solved when you, when you behold the goodness of God. They're all solved when you continually meditate and set before your face the beauty of Christ. It's in Him, He's our answer. You say, I failed again and I, and I failed again and I, I can't keep picking myself up like this, right? I've been battling with this pattern for so long in my, my whole life and I feel like my sins are just, are just so deep right now. I've gotta keep working harder. I've gotta keep trying harder. That's not what Jesus says. He says, come receive my grace. He says, come receive my mercy. He says, come receive my forgiveness. And when you receive that mercy, when you receive that grace, when you receive that forgiveness, He begins to change your heart. When you begin to fix your eyes on Jesus, friend, he begins to change your heart from the inside out, not from behaviour to your heart, not from the outside in, but from the inside out when you behold the beauty of Christ. You know what's so cool is that, that verse, if we could actually get it up one more time, it, and the, the latter end of the verse in Hebrews, sort of there, is it? Okay. It says, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, do you know that that when it comes to overcoming patterns, we need, a, we need a greater joy in Jesus than the things we go to. But do you know what enables Jesus, so what enabled Jesus to, to and what basically drove Him to the cross was, was He had a joy, it says. It says there was a joy before Him. There was something that Jesus was fixing His eyes on. And you know, it wasn't just that He'd get, get it through with it, it's, there's no more pain. <laughs> it wasn't just that, okay, like I can, I can just, I'm done here, I can go back to heaven with my Father, we can hang out and have a party in heaven. Like, it wasn't that, I, I actually, I believe the joy that was set before him, the thing that he kept his eyes, he fixed his eyes on was you. I believe the thing that he fixed his eyes on was me. It was us, it was because he loved us. Like Pastor Chris Ensby said, it's that he loved us so much. He loved us enough to give up those things that he had. That he gave up the, the joy that he had and he took our sorrow upon himself. That he gave up the fullness that he had and he traded it for, for our gaps and our mistakes and our emptiness. Make no mistake, God didn't die for the you that has it all together that you show on a Sunday, okay? He died for the, for the you that was messed up. He died for the you that was lost in your sins and in your brokenness, in your mistakes. And He, he wants to actually offer you grace and freedom tonight. In a few minutes, we're gonna get some people down the front and, and I believe um, there's a moment where we're gonna lay hands on some people and, and, and just pray as the band worships that some, some old patterns are gonna begin to give way. That the Holy Spirit, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
I believe that, man, that God wants to bring some freedom to some people's lives right now. He wants to begin to reveal to you a new, a new view of His heart. Imagine if this week you woke up and you were just so excited to spend time in His presence with Him. Imagine if this week you weren't even thinking about, you weren't sin conscious thinking about what I can't do this week, but you were just so caught up on the fact that God loves you. Imagine if you, just, you weren't caught up on like, oh, I'm still struggling with this mindset I've been struggling with for so long and oh, this person keeps annoying me. Like, but you were just so, man, I just wanna read the Bible. I just wanna pray because I just love Jesus and I'm so thankful for Him. Wouldn't that be amazing? Do you know, that doesn't have to be a figment of your imagination. That can be a reality that you live in. To be so in love with God, to be so just beholding His goodness. That's what the Christian life's about. It's not about just suppressing old behaviours. It's about embracing the, the one who loved us despite our mistakes and all of our worst sins. He just, without blemish yet, He took all of our sins upon Himself. We deserved it, but He took the punishment. He says, it is finished. It is finished. If I was trying to inspire a movement, like Jesus was trying to get the disciples after this, this moment to you know, make a difference in their world, it seems a little funny to say it is finished. But what actually the gospel is, it means good news. It's good news that the battle's won. That even the word evangelism means good news. Evangelion, the word means. It means it's literally like proclaiming a victory that's already been achieved. The, the fight is to walk out that victory and actually apply it in your life. I've talked for too long. We need to get into some prayer time and some ministry time. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is in this place and He's gonna begin to put some new patterns of worship in your life. I believe as we begin, to, actually let's all be upstanding in this moment. I believe He's gonna build some new patterns of worship, some new wells of, of, of joy in Him. That your life won't be about just do's and don'ts. It'll be about just spending time with the Saviour, the one who sets us free. Come on, so if, I, wanna, I wanna put an altar call out in this moment. I believe God wants to meet. We have pastors and leaders ready to pray for you in this moment. And so if you have an old pattern, you say, tonight, I need to let go of this thing. Tonight, I need to actually receive God's empowering grace, the Holy Spirit to fall upon me. I need God to help me to live, not just practically free, but to truly believe the words, it is finished. And so if you're in this place and that's you, I believe God wants to meet you in this room tonight on this altar. So I wanna count to three, and if that's you, we're gonna begin to worship and just, I just encourage you to step out of your seat. Might be a pattern of thinking, an addiction, I don't know what it is, it could be anything. But you say, I wanna leave that tonight. I want God to establish new patterns in my life. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to come down the front. One, two, three. Come on, if that's you, there's no shame tonight. If you want prayer, step out of your seat. The band's gonna begin to sing, come on. So good, hey, um, God's moving in this place, hey. Hey, um, real quick, if you actually, um, I've been talking a lot about, about Jesus and about this whole God thing, this whole church thing. And I, I just, before I close tonight, I just wanna make an opportunity. Um, maybe you've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus for yourself. Um, can I tell you, it's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. When you make that decision, that the Bible says that you're a new creation, that God actually comes into your life, that He forgives every sin, every mistake, that, that what He did on the cross paid the price for all of your sin, all your mistakes, and that you actually begin to enter into a true relationship with Him. And it's the greatest decision I ever made. And I know for so many people here, it's the same story, that God met them where they're at. So if you're in this place, before we close it, if you say tonight's mine, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm not looking back. I wanna receive this gift of salvation. If that's you, I'd love on the count of three. I just wanna um, actually to just know who I'm praying for in this moment. So on the count of three, if that's you, I'd love you to be so brave and just uh, lift your hand in this moment. So I'm gonna count to three with every, every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. On the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, if that's you, just shoot it up right now if that's you. I see your hand at the back, bro, awesome decision. So look from the right to the left. If you say, tonight's my night, I'm not looking back, I wanna receive Jesus into my life. One more time as I, as I look from the left to the right, is anybody else tonight who says, I wanna, I wanna make that decision 
to follow Jesus for myself. Awesome, Father God, we thank You for that decision that was made. God, we thank You that You left the 99 to go for the one, Lord, that You loved us so much, that You saved us from our sins, our mistakes, our wrongdoings, not just from an old way of life, God, but You've got a new plan for our life now. We thank You for that person right now, that You would just, Holy Spirit, rest upon them and help them to walk this thing out in their day-to-day life. In Jesus' Name, everybody said, Amen. Can we celebrate that decision? So good. Incredible.